Hello and welcome to a Happy Mind podcast. My name is Sam and I'm an anxiety and mindset coach for women all over the world. This podcast is here to give you strategies, support and empowerment to take you away from anxiety, fear and insecurity and ready to thrive in your life just as you truly deserve. I want to become your motivator, your friend, your support and your coach. And this podcast is my virtual way to do that with you. Subscribe, review and enjoy this podcast because it really is my gift to you. Here is to your happy mind. Right, here we go for another episode and today is another guest interview. But as usual, you will know that I'm not going to tell you who she is yet because we have to do our intro. So can I get a... Whoop. <laughs> Can I get it? Whoop, whoop. <laughs> so, I am. If you haven't heard of this person or spoke to this person before, then I'm going to give you some information. And of course, I'll put it all in the show notes at the end. But we are speaking to Zoe. And Zoe has a business all around, it's called Motherkind. So if you are a mum listening to this, and I know there are plenty of you, this definitely is somebody that you want to start stalking on social media and finding out more about. But before we get into it and talk more about who Zoe is and what she's doing, I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> so I thought it'd be good maybe just from your standpoint to just Explain a little bit to the ladies who you are and what's led you to create Motherkind. Yeah, I mean, there's a really long version and there's a shorter version. So I'll start with the shorter version and then we can always weave in the longer one through the chat. Um, but I started Motherkind when I had my daughter two and a half years ago, essentially because I wanted to create a community and start offering and sharing some of the things I've learned about um, the mental health and the deeper side to motherhood. So I loved what I was seeing on Instagram of lots of, um, you know, style blogs for mums and lots of blogs about how hard it is being a mum. And I, you know, but I came from a background where I was really into personal development and spirituality and yoga. And I really struggled to find that community. Um, so I created it and that became Motherkind. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> And you're so right, actually, because I have a few friends on um, Instagram who are really advocates of exactly what you stand for. You know, they're either becoming mums or they are new mums. And it's all about actually making it much more real for people. So it's not always glowing and happy and amazing. There are tough times that you might have to overcome and it's a journey and it's showcasing all of that and how it affects your mental health and your mood and your hormones. And I think that's really important to see the, see the reality of it as well as the, the dream of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So on that note then, I, I, you know, and obviously we spoke before we started recording, I have my own friends as well, but also a lot of women in my community who are mums and it has really affected their mental health or their anxiety, their confidence. And either it's got worse after having a child or it's started after having their child, which they'd never had before. And now all of a sudden they're aware of all these risks and worries and, you know, it's really, really hard for them to manage. Is this something that you experienced along your own journey? Yeah. And the first thing I say is that's really common. Like that's why I hear most days of the people that get in contact with me is, um, 
you know, overwhelming challenges from a mental health perspective or, or the first time they've ever experienced things from a mental health perspective. And that can be, you know, as simple as overwhelm or exhaustion and not knowing, you know, how to handle that. So that's the first thing I'd say is it's totally normal um, from my sort of lens, lens on motherhood. And yeah, I experienced it. So I, um, at the point of when I had Jesse, I've been in 12-step recovery, um, which is a support group for uh, 10 years. Um, I've been having therapy for about eight of those years. I was trained as a coach. I was trained as a Kundalini yoga teacher. I was trained as a meditation teacher. I've done CBT training. So I was, I was sort of really steeped in the in the well-being world and the personal development world and I guess the spiritual growth world. And um, my journey was that when I had... Jesse, I basically stopped doing everything that I needed to do to look after myself. So in some ways, you know, for the first couple of months, I think that is what we need to do. You know, we have these help, you know, we call it the fourth trimester where for the first three months of life, babies are totally reliant on us. Um, however, after that period, I, you know, I never picked back up my self-care practices. So I stopped my daily meditation. I stopped my daily gratitude lists and my daily journaling and um all the things and my yoga and all the things that I knew to keep my mind happy you know as your business is called a happy mind so you know I I, re- I know that my, I have a mind that's wired for negativity I have a mind that's wired to jump right into the future and often plan for the worst case scenario so you know I knew all the things I had to do to keep on top of that but I stopped doing them when I was a mum so on top of all the challenges of being a mum, mm-hmm. I stopped doing that, which was probably one of the, the, the least sensible choices that I've made because what it did is it ended me up um, in a place where I was feeling quite low. I wasn't depressed, but I was quite low. I was feeling anxious. I was definitely comparing myself a lot to others. I was feeling less than. I was feeling guilt. Um, I was feeling just out of alignment, really, with, with who I was. And... I talk about it on my website, but there really was a moment when the penny dropped for me, which was that at the point when we most need to look after ourselves, mm. i.e. becoming a mother, and particularly in that first year, we're least likely to do it because we, you know, we, we give ourselves over in terms of time. We have less time. Everything feels new. It, you know, relationships, my, my relationship, my husband significantly changed. You know, everything's changing around me. Mm. Um, and I didn't anchor onto the, to the daily practices. I think it's daily for me. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was my experience. So then I started to put those back into place. And um, within sort of six or eight weeks, was starting to feel like, a new person and then and then lots of mum of my mum mates started asking me what I was doing because they could see such a difference and that's how it started as well because I started then teaching it really informally to mates um about how I could fit all this stuff in with being a mum and then I started blogging about it and then I started the podcast and you know it went from there that's what I was going to ask actually on that because I agree it's so important you know there'll be so many people listening to this whether you're a mum or not that potentially neglect your self-care and your positivity in your life for other things whether it's your career the fact that you've got to commute really early in the morning or if you are a mum you know we can all find a way to relate to exactly what Zoe's saying but for you then which obviously you know you started informally telling your friends about what would you say because that's really difficult you know what you're saying and obviously for all of my friends that are mums and have young young children it's really difficult to find that balance of 
when do you actually have the time to actually practice these things that are so important to you when you're at home with the baby what sort of practical or really simple things can any of the ladies listening to this can't really start from today so that they can just increase the level of self-care they've got in their life yeah I mean I think there's so many things in that I think sometimes the self-care label is really helpful sometimes it's really unhelpful like I'm not talking about hours of massage and getting our nails done like that to me isn't self-care that's actually self-indulgence to some extent um which is great and I'm a fan of it but um so I think that word self-care would be the first thing um it can it can come with some weight behind it that people think they're going to need hours mm-hmm. the second thing I realized is that I made time to shower and I made time to brush my teeth and actually Um, having some time to myself was equally, if not more actually important uh, Mm -hmm. than those things. So I had time to make myself look okay every day. Why didn't I have time to make myself feel okay every day? Mm -hmm. So I really had to look at that um, and make sure that how I felt on the inside, I was giving equal weight to how I looked on the outside, which I think is really important. And then I think the other thing is... um, you know, before Jesse, I was doing 20 minutes meditation morning and evening. Like that's totally unrealistic. I would, you know, I've never done that since she's been born, but there are amazing studies, which I'm sure you know about that show that, you know, 60 seconds of meditation a day over eight weeks can start to rewire, rewire our brains, um, which just blows my mind. So really, you know, and when I coach, I coach lots of mums one-on-one, like I know, I know you do. And I, and I, they only have to set aside five minutes a day for these practices and, um, you know, if you can't find five minutes a day, then I would, uh, I would really question, you know, someone's um, focus and their will to want things to be different. So if we want change, then we have to change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like that old age adage, isn't it? If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what I you've always got. So, so I think... You know, if if you want to feel better, that doesn't just happen. And that doesn't happen when you buy yourself a new top or you get out with your mates. In my experience, that made me feel better for a a fleeting moment. But what really delivers sustained change is just that daily commitment to yourself for five minutes. So mums that work with me and, um, you know, I always share three things. The first one is at least two minutes of meditation. Um, I always advise two minutes of um, journaling, like bullet point journals, really quick, mm-hmm. and then a minute on a gratitude journal. Um, and and mums do that within five minutes. You know, sometimes they might push it out to 10 if they're really enjoying, you know, journaling that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the difference is just, just of those three things is, is really significant. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I get the time squeeze. I really do. But I think it's about prioritizing and putting on equal footing how we feel. And then, of course, we're modeling that to our children. Mm. So, you know, we can't really tell our children that we want them to be happy and we want them to be positive and enjoy their life if they don't see us doing things that help us feel that way. And in fact, there are, again, some really interesting studies that show that that disconnect between what we tell our children, what they see us doing is quite damaging. So I'm really aware of that with Jessie. I don't tell her anything or, um, you know, promote anything that I'm not really living myself. 
So if you want your kids to be happy and you want your kids to have a positive mind and hopefully be anxiety free or, you know, it's not the, the full puzzle, but a great piece of the puzzle is to start giving that to yourself. Yeah, that's so that's such a good point. And also, if you're listening I've and you haven't watched these, I've done live videos on bullet journaling and gratitude journaling if you really don't know where to start with that as well or what that is. So they are both really good skills and things to start practicing for yourself and that's so true five minutes is not an unrealistic amount of time would you say no if I was saying an hour I mean I would expect a few eye rolls like that would be hard to find you'd have to deprioritize some stuff five minutes and the reality is if we get honest with ourselves a lot of us will spend 15 20 minutes mindlessly scrolling Instagram so you know even I'm not saying stop that like cut it short by five minutes put an alarm on your phone do it for 15 minutes and then use five minutes to um to do those practices or even better like do it before and then notice how different your energy with Instagram is Mm, that's probably for yourself comparing less and also with that so you know so say the women here now they start doing this five minutes you know the two minutes meditating the two minute bullet journal the one minute gratitude journaling yeah because a lot of the time they um the women in my community anyway they're they're quite reactive to the situation so for example if their child has had a really good night's sleep they're very reactive to the fact that that allows the day to then be a good day or um if something really positive happens so they go down for their nap and they get their time and everything goes to schedule then it's great but if that and there's no kind of backup plan and that sort of then encapsulates a world of tears and panic and overwhelm and there's no way of getting that structure back so I think I'd really love to touch on that you know when when you feel like you're in control because your child is doing what you want them to be doing when you want them to be doing it then that's great but when you do have those unexpected you know tantrums or accidents or things happen on the way home or you know these these things that crop up on us rather than always having that negative how are we going to get all this done what would you kind of give top tips for that that sort of situation yeah I mean that's really common and I think something that I talk about a lot is that a lot of our behaviors that helped us in a lot of ways be really successful pre-motherhood actually can be a real hindrance post-motherhood and control is probably the biggest one of that perfectionism uh, is another um so yeah I mean I think I think control is a really interesting one it actually is a really deep one like often our need for control can be tracked back to something that happened in childhood Um, So that's what I'll do with a lot of the mums that I coach. If they can't simply let go, you know, I'll look at what's going on. Um, And often we'll use control to make ourselves feel safe. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it can be other ways that we can make ourselves feel safe. Um, And I think, I think with meditation is a great one. And I'm not talking about, you know, sitting there with a formal practice, any form of meditation, even if it's just popping on a guided meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are some on my website specifically for mums um that can help create a bit of space between like you're saying something happening reacting to that and then something happening that small microsecond of recognizing that we have a choice Mm. of how to react to things that happen so I'm a massive fan of affirmations and I teach it to my mums all the time so my favorite one is it's all happening perfectly 
And I, you know, I, when I first started saying that, I didn't really believe it. Um, but our brain doesn't know the difference between whether we believe it or not. So that doesn't really matter. Um, but now I, I really do. So say, you know, I'd organised to see a friend for coffee and, you know, Jessie, as we're leaving, had, you know, just been sick all over her clothes and it meant I was going to be 15 minutes late. You know, in that moment, you have the choice to go into anxiety and panic and fear and people pleasing, you know, what's this person going to think of me and let them down or the other choice, which is, well, maybe I wasn't meant to be on the road in the next 15 minutes. Who knows? Maybe, um, I, maybe my friend needs a bit of extra space herself. Maybe it's all happening perfectly. And this is a skill, like you can't just do it. You have to, you have to work on it and practice it. But is there like any muscle, like each time it happens, it gets stronger and stronger. And um, that was my experience when I got back into my, you know, doing this was that I was able to handle any form of like diversion like not napping napping being late being early whatever it might look like eating not eating which is another massive trigger for mums um I was able to handle that slowly with like a sense of ease and flow and peace um and I think that absolutely gets transmitted so I noticed that when I was able to do that I don't do it perfectly I don't do it every time but when I was able to do that Jessie relaxed because we have mirror neurons so if something happens and we start going into that place of fear and anxiety and rushing and maybe frustration they pick up on that straight away even if we're talking to them in a calming voice and saying it doesn't matter they pick up on our physiology so it's called mirror neurons it's absolutely fascinating so they will then start to become agitated and then you're in this spiral so that's when like you know taking a time out taking a breath saying that affirmation it's all happening perfectly um you know trusting that things are sort of going the way they're meant to on your day because in my experience there's nothing there's no quicker shortcut for anxiety in motherhood than than control mm. yeah sorry I was literally so lost in in your in what you were saying then. <laughs> I mean I can keep I can keep riffing on this stuff like forever so you know if you're to just keep going so interesting and you know the teacher in me can relate to this a lot as well you know the, no matter how old the child gets they can pick up on your behaviors your actions not just your yeah words. they don't they don't really listen to our words no. sometimes but really what they're listening to is they're watching all the time what are we doing um, they're picking up on our energy way more than they're picking up on what we're saying to them. Way more. So I, on that, I was just thinking, thinking of the persona and obviously someone listening to this for the first time and thinking, you know, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to achieve that, that, you know, am I going to be able to in that moment just take that breath? The first step to that is just the thing that really stood out for me is just thinking of the other options, you know, so even if you're not quite at the point that you can compose all your thoughts and use the affirmations, even when you just said, oh, maybe I'm not supposed to be on the road yet. That's so powerful in itself, just to allow yourself the space to think of another option and, and not always go to the negative straight away. Do you see what, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So even yeah. if, trying to think of the other options and then once you've thought of the other options then you can so for example I'm thinking I I very much do have that nature of 
thinking in the negative. So for me, if I was to think of the alternative options first, that would almost give me like that slight reassurance. There is another option, Sam. This isn't just the only thought or option that could possibly be happening. Then I'm more likely to be able to say, okay, just take a breath. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Or you can use mindfulness. So, you know, tap into your, we all know when we're becoming stressed because our heart beats, my heart, you know, everyone's different, but normally heartbeat increases, thoughts start rushing in. You know, recognizing that is the first thing. Mm. So then it's like, ah, I am stepping into maybe an unhelpful state right now. Mm. So, so then the next thing could be, looking at the floor or looking at the ceiling or if you're holding your baby, focusing on how your baby's skin feels against your hands. And I'm talking about microseconds. Mm. We'll just stop or, or could give some space pre that massive escalation into, you know, what be- could become an anxious thinking or overwhelm or even an anxiety attack. Mm. Um, so I think it's about just taking those, recognizing, taking responsibility in that moment and then taking a, a micro, mini, tiny little way of coming back to that moment. Mm. Because in the moment, there actually is no stress. Mm. Um, it's only our heads that are trying to dart us forward. And it's really easy to say that. And I know how it feels. Um, and it happens to me still every day, you know, that I don't do this. But, but I think the, the important thing is to know that there are ways out of this, um, of being stuck in that feeling. And, and as you say, there are incredible, there are so many choices and there are so many options. And I think, you know, that's in the moment. And then, and then when you've got more time, there are big things to look at around this, you know, around perfectionism. And, you know, for me, it all links back to self-love. Like, how do I feel about myself? Because if I feel good about myself, then it doesn't really matter if I don't make it to that coffee. And it doesn't really matter if um, Jessie hasn't eaten because I know she'll eat tomorrow. And, you know, I can be like way kinder to myself. And this is why I called it mother kind, because what I saw again and again and again and again was mums just being really hard on themselves Mm. and not knowing actually how to access that soft place that we can access so easily with our children um you know if our, ch- if our children are learning to walk and they're falling over we're so kind and encouraging and so many of us are unable to give that to ourselves yeah, so yeah so so that's you know that's what I'd say is it's about um b- being able to look at it in the moment and then also being able to look at it when you've got a bit more space and time about maybe some bigger patterns that are going on for you um i always say that you know motherhood is you know and the reason i wanted to focus on motherhood only i mean i'd also just become a mum but um was because i feel like it's a really natural time to look within because so many of our unhelpful um and not very pleasant you know, behaviors and coping tools come to the surface. Mm-hmm. So it's really normal, as you were saying at the start, for people to experience their first experience of, of not feeling great mm-hmm. um, or to have that manifest in different ways. So perfectionism often manifests in guilt, mm-hmm. example. And then when I work with a mum who's feeling guilty, actually she's been a perfectionist all her life and she's, she's, she's the mum who's been, um, you know, or the woman who's been working late every night to please her boss. And then she becomes a mum and it starts manifesting as guilt. So often these things are triggered by motherhood rather than caused by them. 
Yeah, that's such that's so important to say. I kind of want to ask you some questions now, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. If someone was listening to this, they're going to want to know more about you and um, (laughs) life. You know, that's what I find a lot. People say to me all the time, you know, Sam, how do you manage when you've had an argument with Luke? Or how do you manage when you feel anxious when you're going to work or whatever it might be? So see if I can steal some of your thoughts so that they can see (laughs) about what you do in your day to day as a mum. Yeah. So how often do you spend time away from Jesse just focused on yourself? So not necessarily seeing other people or making plans or, you know, date nights, but how often would you say you just have a bath or wash your hair and sit on your own or watch a program yourself, that kind of thing? Every day. For how long? It depends. So every day... I have, I used to be in really into morning routines. That's gone a bit out the window since Jesse, but now I've got really into evening routines. So I start my nighttime routine at about nine o'clock and then I do that from nine till 10 every night. And my husband knows mm. that that's nine till 10 is my time. I mean, it suits him because he likes watching all this crap TV that I hate. So <laughs> yeah. he gets, he gets to watch whatever the hell he's watching. Okay. Um, and God knows, I don't even know what it is. And um, and I will have a bath. I will listen to something inspirational or soft or kind, whatever that is, um, while I'm having that bath. And then I'll get out. I might do some like dry body brushing or something nice for my body. Or I might tell my body I love it and thank you for carrying me through the day or something like that, just really nice. Or I might, you know, mirror work, which I learned from Louise Hay. I might tell myself in the mirror that I really love myself. So um, every day have that time That's every day yeah and then I'll go into my bedroom and then I'll get out my journal and I will write what I'm grateful for that day I'll think about um if there's anything that triggered me that day if there's anything that I'm avoiding or I need to look at or everything I did really well that day or I'm proud of just like assess the day yeah. um and then I will do a quick meditation and then I'll I've, I'm obsessed with sleep sprays oh I've God. got like 10 so then I'll choose a scent and um and this isn't you know this is this is every day in my normal life like sometimes I'll be out with friends and I, you know I'll, I'll shorten that like I wouldn't have yeah. the bath but I still try and do the little the little ritual and the little routine um every day the same with this sleep straight he's obsessed with lavender so he actually he will kill me for saying this but he does a lavender dance around the bedroom like literally <laughs> raise this stuff like it's going out of fashion the bedroom stinks of lavender but he's obsessed with it so I know exactly what you mean about the sleep spray that's so good I've got but I've got the opposite from where my husband is like what the hell have you done in our room it literally stinks <laughs> and he's like can you stop doing that I'm like no <laughs> So with your relationship, you said, you know, it's, it changed dramatically. Yeah. How do you find your husband managed the change in you as well as you noticed the change in yourself? Like, what did you have to do as a couple to find a new way of being together and finding that balance? Oh, loads of communication. I mean, we were lucky because we'd been through couples therapy before we had Jesse, partly because I knew it would be really important that we could really communicate. And I wanted us to know deeply each other's triggers and wounds and, you know, what might reactivate through the parenting journey and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we'd already done that. So in some ways that made it easier. We are really good at communication. Um, and he's quite open. Like he has his own therapist every week. I have my own therapist every week. He meditates with me. So 
were we were quite we were quite lucky in that we had that foundation I know that's quite unusual to be honest um but I think we were we were also lucky in that we shared the same vision for how we wanted to parent. I, I imagine it's really difficult if you don't. We did have a we did have a little bit of a thing um, with Jessie's sleeping actually, where I very much went down the nurturing route and wanted to like rock her to sleep if she if she couldn't sleep and sit with her and hold her hand. And Guy was a bit more. Um, like I think we should leave her to sleep and she needs to get used to dropping to sleep on her own and all that sort of stuff. And actually that was really tricky on our relationship. Um, but we just worked through that and I, you know, I explained why I thought it was so important that we did it this way. And he explained why we thought, you know, and we, and we came up with some sort of compromise. Yeah. I was going to say kind of meet in the middle. Yeah. We met in the middle and actually I think that's a big part of it is that sometimes I can think, because I do so much reading. So I'm a bit of a geek and I read a book a week. And a lot of those books are about, um, you know, early childhood impact on our brain chemistry, about mental health. And, you know, this is my world and I live it and I love it. So sometimes I can get a bit arrogant and I can get a bit stuck in my ego and think that I know the right way to do everything. Um, So I need to keep remembering that I only know it from really quite an echo chamber um of the of the material and the view that I have and actually that it you know he is 50% of this parenting journey and I need to listen to his point of view as much as I'm listening to my own in a lot of ways um and that's that's done us really well I've never done that thing where I've tried to control him around Jesse so I've been really good at letting him like I've never left notes like when he's looked after her or anything like that. And I think that's really helped with his esteem and his confidence around her. That's um, actually that you've just said that I, I like that you touched on that. So you kind of, if you were going out, um, yeah. you would just be like, see a guy, like have fun. Yeah. Coffee, well, like, have a great time. And he, so the first time I did it, he was like, um, and I was like, listen, you have a father's instinct, just the same as I have a mother's instinct. Like you don't need me to write copious notes. Like you, you, he's also quite hands-on. Like I was like, you know, when she has milk, like you'll handle it. I really trust that you'll handle it. And, um, sorry. I can also imagine, say if you had left notes, I can imagine from an anxious perspective, you're more likely to worry whether that has been done or not at the right times and in the right schedule because you set that in the first place. Yeah, if I'm like getting into, there's loads of things in that, isn't there? If I'm getting into like, this is the only way that it has to be done. I'm into control and I'm into expectation and actually expectations are just a resentment waiting to happen. So my expectation of their time together is that they just have a really nice time. Yeah. And if he if I'm lucky enough that he's given me an hour to go to a yoga class, to be honest, there's no way I'm gonna to dictate to him how that hour needs to look. Yeah. Even if it meant that she didn't eat, or even if it meant that, you know, she didn't nap and she's a bit cranky. To to me, the fact that he's there supporting me is is far more important than me being like, This is the schedule and stick I to it. That. I mean, and I mean, is he, I mean, the thing is, is that he's actually more of a scheduler than I am. So he would, he would probably, and he did in a lot of ways, like stick to it more than maybe I would. But, um, and I think it's really, it's really esteeming for him. I just totally trusted him. And as a result, I think his energy into those times when they were alone was, was totally separate than like clutching a piece of paper, you know, trying to tick off when I said he should feed her and maybe like, 
you know, leaving her a bit because I said the meal had to be at five. And, you know, it's like a really, it's, you're bringing a really different energy to things. If it's just like, have a really good time and enjoy her. I think that's what I say to him the most. Just enjoy her and thank you. Like, I never forget to thank him. Like, thank you for, um, you know, uh, you know, not allowing me to go out because, like, God, that's not the vibe. But, like, you know, thank you for just supporting me yeah. um, so that I can go and do this yoga class because it's not work. Like, it's pure, it's pure self-care. I think um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole time. I just, <laughs> if I was, if someone listening to this, if they had no idea who you were, I'm, I'm just thinking now that they're, they're almost, they're like, oh, my God, I actually know more about her life. You know, like, it's so, I can relate to that. You know, that feeling of I can relate to that when you want to go out and all of those. And I just think I've got a couple more questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire, fire ahead. In their mind. So I've got one really good one, but I want to save it till like the last question. So I've got two. Ooh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My other question, when, with your friends that had children around the same age as Jesse or yeah. members or, you know, you had close people around you that had children around the same age as her. Yeah. How did you manage that kind of, comparison of is your child doing as well as my child is my child being naughty um are people going to be looking at my child are they behaving that kind of stuff you know how did you manage that inside your head because I know for a lot of mums in in my network with anxiety and self-doubt and that self-worth which everything you've been discussing that is really massive the whole it's okay when they're in their own bubble with their own like home and their own family unit but as soon as they have to step into environments where there are other children that's when it kind of flares up you know is this going to be a good day or a bad day are they going to be behaved that kind of stuff yeah I mean I'm nodding furiously because this is massively (laughs) what a lot of mums come to me with um and actually motherhood is totally set up for comparison so um, one of the first things that I was, I had Jesse at home, so I didn't, I didn't do that whole hospital, um, thing. But one of the first things that the midwife asked me to do was like, she was plotting on this chart, um, like where Jesse sat. And I was like, Oh, I, I don't really want to do that. And she's like, well, aren't, don't you want to know what percentile she was in? And I was like, no, I, I really don't. I can see that she's thriving. I can see that she's putting weight on and you know, I can see that she's, she's healthy. I actually don't want to plot her against yeah. what the national average is. And I thought, God, she's, she's six weeks and I'm, I'm six weeks into being a mum and I'm already comparing myself to, you know, am I in the 25th percentile? And a lot of the chat around the mum groups were about that. And I was like, Whoa, I can see how actually, you know, if you were told your child is on the third percentile, you know, and, and actually I think it takes away from our, um, instinct like if you think your child's losing weight go and talk to someone about it but for me knowing that she was whatever percentile she is wasn't that relevant and I think a lot of the chat in the groups that I was in was about like what so-and-so doing and what so-and-so doing and I think it is so set up for comparison so that's the first thing I'd say if you've experienced comparison that's totally normal like I did I think everyone every mum does I think I think the motherhood world especially those first couple of years is is really geared towards it so I'd say you're normal and you know actually it takes a lot of effort to not do that as I was describing like I refuse to have her sorry did you stay in those groups you know when they were all talking about it yeah yeah I stayed in it yeah but I just I just like didn't get didn't get emotionally hooked into it like I was like oh cool so someone would be like oh what percentile is Jesse on and I'd be like oh I don't know what percentile is Harry on you know just like I was interested I just I didn't emotionally 
hook into the comparison. Um, so you stayed in the groups, but you just didn't um, offer up as much kind of emotional involvement as everyone else did. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing is so many mums get lost in the idea that their kids are a 100% reflection of them. So if my child's behaving badly, then I'm a bad mum. And I think that's where a lot of anxiety comes from with mothers. You know, like if their kid's the one going mad in the class and all the others are sat nicely. So I really encourage my mums to know that our children, and we need to esteem them in this way, they are not mini-me's. They are not extensions of us. Mm. They are their own beings with their own moods. Mm. And we don't, as mums, as humans... Uh, we don't expect ourselves to be happy, positive, um, in a great mood 24-7. So, but we sort of seem to expect that of our children. And then when they don't do that, we make it about us. Yeah. Um, it's actually like quite a weird thing. So when Jessie, and she has been that kid, like going mad in the class and everyone's been sat there. You know, and I would just think, God, I wonder what's going on with her. She's obviously having an off day. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would try not to make that. And this is still, you know, ongoing. She's two and a half. So we're in the tantrum phase. I just try not to make that about me. It's about her. Mm. So then when I'm coming from that place, I'm able to actually support her from a totally different energy because I'm not trying to shut down her emotion because I, because it feels uncomfortable to me. I'm actually trying to work with it. And um, I'm really working at the moment because she's starting to have big feelings. And I'm really working with like helping her label her feelings and helping her feel them and helping her process them. And it doesn't, I'm, I guess it's, it's trying not to make your kids behavior about how you view yourself as a mum. Like you're an amazing, everyone is an amazing mum. We're all trying our best mm. and children are children. Like mm. they're going to go mad sometimes and they're going to not eat and they're going to tantrum and they're going to be the one screaming in the cafe. And, you know, if mums are looking at you, they're probably thinking like, God, you know, that poor mum, they're not, ju- they're not judging you necessarily. And I think that's the other thing is often we can think that we're being judged all the time. Whereas I know if I see that, I'm sort of sending love to that mum and thinking, God, like that's really tough. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's, that's one of them is that they're, you know, they're not an extension of, of you and their behavior doesn't, doesn't reflect you. Um, that, I think that's so good when you said rather than try and, stop their emotion because it makes you feel uncomfortable try and understand why them as their own little person has yeah. the first place I love that yeah, you know, yeah so- that's the big thing like that's the other big thing I was going to say is like if the more that we can see our children you know t- even as tiny babies as their own being on their own journey mm-hmm. with their own path you know because I think on my, in my life, you know, some of the hardest things, which I know my mum would not have wanted to happen to me, have been the greatest things in my life. So I always remember that, actually. Like, yeah, Jessie may have got hit by that kid in the playground, but she's learned loads from that experience. If I can, if I can guide her in that way, like, I can teach her about boundaries when she gets hit. I can teach her about compassion for herself and then the other person. You know, there's so many opportunities, like, if I don't allow it to trigger my stuff. And this is when I say, like, we have to do this in the moment, but actually, and that's what I do with my coaching, we have to look at, because if there's stuff within you that's being triggered, it's it's really hard not to be triggered in the moment. So I always say, be kind to yourself first. Yeah. And then if it's consistently happening, it is probably something to look at. And that's an amazing thing to look at your stuff that's being yeah. triggered and reactivating because then you can free yourself of it and then you won't pass it on. So the other thing I'm really passionate about is, you know, what we don't become conscious of and what we don't change 
um, the likelihood is, is that we're going to pass that stuff on. And that's not always good, good to hear, but I use that as fuel to keep doing my inner work. 100%. And I, and I know a lot of mums that come to me feel exactly the same way. They're like, you know, I'm suffering with negativity and anxiety and I just don't want to pass it on. And I, the first thing I always say is like, you should feel so proud of yourself mm. for wanting to stop that. That's amazing. Even for that self-awareness of recognising it. wanting to stop it and wanting to do something about it like that's so powerful and you know often in the first five minutes of coaching you know the person just hearing those words will will start to to cry and soften and feel better and so it's powerful stuff like being a mum is you know this is what I mean like on Instagram we can focus so much on the buggies and the you know all the nice stuff and what the clothes and that but there's so much more to it in my you know what I've what I'm passionate about mother kind is shining a light and being a space in the world where people can talk about this stuff and offer solutions and help yeah and I have one more question but I will sorry if you're frantically thinking oh my god I need to go and stalk her I will put all the links so don't worry you're not going to have to like find Zoe all on your own I'll put all of the info in because <laughs> um, I know I do that when I'm listening to a podcast and I'm like oh my god I need to pause it and like search for them right this minute but I'll yeah, or I'll be like writing down book recommendations <laughs> and then when I see they put it in the show notes I'm like okay thank god for that yeah, so do I my last question is say because uh, I'm so similar to you I read a book a week as well I literally I'm obsessed with it like the more I can give my brain I just love it but people ask me this question more from an anxiety perspective I want to ask you this question more from a mum perspective if you um tell a new mum or a mum that hadn't done the work on themselves so their kids might be five or ten or fifteen but they hadn't spent the time refocused on themselves and looking at their own inner work what would be your top book that you would say do you know what go and read this let it enlighten you and just start there so hard because there are so many I know, the, 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 the one, I'm like I wish you could give me 10 to list but I know that's not helpful so one that I always come back to is called The Conscious Parent and I think sometimes the title can put people off but um, it's by this amazing woman called Shafali Tisbury. She's been on Oprah, so she's pretty mainstream. I'm actually training with her at the moment. That's, you know, oh. yeah, I'm quite steeped in her work. Um, so she, the conscious parent is amazing because she is a doctor of um, psychology. So she brings like all that like fact and the rigor, but she's also really into Eastern and spirituality, which I guess is, I think the reason I resonate is because that's really me. Like I'm, I'm quite scientific and I like to know the studies and I like to be able to quote the studies and the facts but I also really like sitting in the unknown and the spirituality and just the essence of life and she's the same so so this book's called The Conscious Parent and it's basically about everything that I've been talking about it's basically about how we can get in to you know hot waters with our parenting journey when we're constantly being triggered and activated by our kids and our response to that is to try and control them so she actually talks a lot about stopping all that control and looking within for the answers and that nine time out of ten probably nine and a half times out of ten the answer sits with us there'll be something that we haven't healed there'll be something that we find deeply uncomfortable and of course our reaction is to control and control that because who wants to feel uncomfortable but then by trying to control our children their behavior tends to escalate because no anyone who's been on the end of control um knows what it feels like you do not start to comply happily you might start to comply but you might be um you know compartmentalizing so so she talks through some of the effects that 
that we can have on our children if, if we don't approach parenting this way. But it's done in a really gentle way. Um, and she shares lots of her own experience because she wrote this because she was sort of a, a little bit like me, like, you know, well on the path and feeling pretty good about herself and life and then threw her daughter into the mix and, yeah, ended up in a whole other world of, um, you know, needing to work on herself. So she went through that process and wrote a book about it. So she's got The Conscious Parent and she's got one called The Awakened Family, which is, they're both brilliant. I, I keep them both on my bedside table and they're just like covered in notes and highlighters. And yeah, I loved it. I loved both of them so much that I'm training with her now. Nice. Um, so that, those are the ones that I would recommend. And the other thing I say for mums with books is audio books. So yeah. I know for me, if I try and sit down at the end of the day to read a book, it's not going to happen. So what I do is I, I have Audible app on my phone and I'll have all my books. And then, you know, if I'm driving anywhere or if I'm walking with Jessie in the buggy or she might be asleep in the buggy or if I'm cooking dinner and she's happily playing in the corner, I'll have an audio book on. Yeah. Um, and then I also sort of think it's really cool because she's probably, sub- her subconscious is absorbing all this stuff. So um, I always yeah. joke that I'd be like, really upset if she ends up as like you know a big city hotshot and not a yoga teacher <laughs> but that's but that's me like putting my my uh my own desires onto her which of course I shouldn't do um love that I'm gonna yeah so that's a that's a long answer to a, a quick question so that so it's the conscious parent by Shafali you are a woman after my own heart that if anyone asks me a question I I have to do that and I'm like oh I'm so sorry that was uh that was the yeah I'm not good with the short answers like I'm just I'm a talker and this is why I need I'm so happy that I now have a podcast Yes. Um, I just I just needed an outlet to talk and talk and talk <laughs> well, I'm going to put all of the links um, that we've been speaking about and you've mentioned in the show notes so obviously exactly like we said people don't have to you know frantically try and find everything that you do so I'll put all of those in there for your website so that they can get onto the um, the meditations plus obviously your podcast and then I think I'll google that book but what I might do is just email you over the link and check I've got the right one if that's okay so that if people do want to get that book they can get on board with that as well yeah that's fine yeah it's blue and it's got a butterfly on the front for anyone who who's like you know exhausted scanning amazon <laughs> look okay, for a blue butterfly thank you so much zoe for talking to us oh you're welcome it's been really really great thanks for having me on you're welcome and i'm excited to speak to you more and obviously for everyone to go and stalk you online <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, thank you. And I will speak to you soon. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye.